0: Welcome Cube fans to the GameCube is Cool podcast episode 14. My name is Neil Gilbert. I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. My friend Mike Lane will be joining us very soon. This is our back of the case segment that we like to do before every episode that covers a lot of games. Today we're going to be covering 10 racing games from cell damage to burnout. It's going to be a lot of fun. We have a guest host, Ali Akram, a friend of Mike and mine from high school who knows a lot more about racing games than we do, but it'll still be informative and hopefully entertaining. Now, without further ado, let me just light up my fire and grab the cases here, and we will get started. There's no real fire that's just done in post-editing. I'm really just in my basement with my green carpet, uh, 70s wood paneling, and a whole bunch of consoles and controllers scattered around me. So let's get started. Cell damage. Part Demolition Derby, part Whacked Out Cartoon Come to Life, 36 wild, over-the-top weapons, Deathmatch Capture the Flag, and Gate Racing Action, 10 Tough tunes. 4 Person Split Screen Multiplayer, 12 Interactive Cartoon Worlds. Smashing Drive The shortest distance between two points isn't always a straight line, and in Smashing Drive, it's a way of life. Good driving isn't enough. When looking for a little extra green, a cabbie rallies on his knowledge of every neighborhood, street, and alley shortcut. Navigating a serpentine course of oncoming traffic, cart vendors, newsstands, and pedestrians in order to beat the competing hack to the fair's final destination is the challenge. But we've got you covered. Get into the habit of collecting power-ups and finding shortcuts, or your only tip will be the advice to invest in driving lessons. Burnout. Drive dangerously. This is no sit-down simulator. Burnout is a wild arcade racer with spectacular crashes that will leave you sweating, short of breath, and begging for more. Drive like a madman through everyday traffic, swerve into oncoming lanes, cut people off, and take loads of risks. Hyperventilating is part of the fun. EA Sports F1 2002 Leave Fear Behind features your first chance to race the 2002 season on Nintendo GameCube. New Toyota and Renrolt Formula One teams, the latest driver lineups and all 17 tracks. Cutting edge technology, unrivaled accuracy, resolution, detailed performance, and speed. Fast, bold, intelligent opponents. Race against aggressive drivers who drive as hard as you do. Multiple racing experiences. Jump in the cockpit for high action, high drama battles, or switch to in-depth simulation. Authentic Formula One atmosphere. Cheering crowds, grid girls, crew radio, 22 man pits and real weather effects 4x4 evo2 or 4x4 evo2 whatever 4x4 racing has evolved professional drivers get paid by winning races and in career modes so do you win fast money and deck out your truck from over 125 upgrades like performance shocks race tires brush guards roll bars snorkels working winches and performance exhaust to increase your vehicle power and speed Take your pick from over 120 photorealistic top-of-the-line trucks from Dodge, Jeep, Nissan, Infiniti, Lexus, Toyota, Mitsubishi, Chevrolet, and GMC. Roar through races in 32 different exotic outdoor courses from all over the world. Leave the track behind and earn extra cash through unique adventures, discovering ancient temples and unearthing lost treasures. Hmm, Fun. Enhanced weather systems mean you'll be busting through walls of fog and plowing through sheets of rain in your quest for gold. This is a pirate game now. Pro Rally 2002, the toughest test of man and machine, 48 treacherous tracks from around the world including England, Sweden, Italy, Argentina, and more, 20 officially licensed vehicles such as Audi, Toyota, Subaru, Mitsubishi, and I'm going to say Pidgeot, six different racing modes from arcade to professional circuit, two player head-to-head action, one mother nature with a bad attitude, zero crybabies, that's good, I like that. ATV Quad Power Racing 2. Compete as the world's top ATV riders, including Dana Creech, Tim Fair, Corey Ellis, and more. Kick it. Stomp the comp with an arsenal of vicious fighting moves. Punish opponents on 15 massive tracks that span five different locations across the globe. Big air, big tricks, big fun. Dakar 2, the world's ultimate rally. The world's most insane road rally race returns, say that five times fast, bigger and badder than ever before with Dakar 2, the world's ultimate rally. Choose from a vast assortment of fully licensed trucks, cars, and motorcycles as you wage full-blown vehicular warfare against man and nature alike in this no-holds-barred quest for world rally supremacy. Hook up your Game Boy Advance to your Nintendo GameCube and download mini-games for Dakar on the go. Burnout 2, Point of Impact. Nastier, more painful, wincingly wild crashes. was an IGN quote. Progressive scan TV support. Learn to burn in offensive driving school. Heart-stopping chases in police pursuit mode. 30 all-new levels with weather effects. Some of the fastest racing around, reminiscent of the greatest arcade racing games. was a GameSpot quote. Rally Championship. Mud, sweat, gears. Dirt, snow, rain. These are words. 25 officially licensed rally racing cars. 33 races in 6 prestigious rallies over 4 global regions. 4 players simultaneous split screen intense action. Real car physics simulate all wheel and two wheel drive. Extreme weather conditions. Test your driving skills. Dings, dents, and destruction. Real damage in real time. Double the adrenaline rush by engaging dangerous curves and unseen obstacles in the dead of night. Spooky. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the Back of the Case segment for this episode. Thank you so much for joining me early. I will now pass it off to future Neil and Mike to carry on the episode. Neil and Mike, take it away.
1: The GameCube GameCube. was cool. Hosted by
2: Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. GameCube.
0: GameCube. GameCube. You can do with this whatever you want. <laughs> So on vacation for the most part, I mean, sleeping for me is always complicated. Like I like sleep, I love sleep, big fan of sleep. Big fan. Big fan of sleep. I mean, I can sleep, you know me, I can sleep on just about anything and uh, couches, one-seaters, floors, whatever. Beds, ideally, ideally my own bed. If I could take my own bed anywhere, I would. I got home last, we got home yesterday from our trip and obviously, you know, like seven nights away, I was comfortable sleeping this this vacation. I'm not complaining at all about the sleeping arrangements. Quite, quite comfortable actually. But uh, you still look forward to your own bed, of course, as you do. Of course. And I got to say, I was really disappointed that my first night uh, back in my own bed, I had the worst calf cramp in my life.
2: Oh, my God.
0: Oh, f- dude, if I'm not going to swear it, but I want to. But I woke up at about two o'clock in the morning and just about sc- I screamed into my pillow. Was close to screaming into the open air for, for my family to hear a blood curdling yell coming from their son's room. <laughs> only to think that I could only just been dying night terror, something terrible. Uh, but that ruined that ruined. That was a good start to, to my weeks.
2: Yeah, that's uh, after a beautiful Week away, relaxing, doing a little bit of workouts, which was nice. Good squats. Some good, good squat anime sesh. some some f-ing anime workouts, as you called them.
0: <laughs> hundred squats, hundred push-ups, uh resistance bands in the sun on a dock.
2: I need a hero. I need... And they say that a hero can save us. That's not really workout music though. No. That's like I would love to
0: make yeah. a montage video though of us working out one day. I think that would be really great. <laughs> Just
2: that would be sick. Oh,
0: that'd be fantastic. But no, we had a great we had a great trip. I mean, we almost died on the first night somehow. Uh
2: not of COVID. Yeah, let's talk about that. Sure, let's yeah, do let's, that right now. Let's uh well, you know what? So there's a bunch of theories out there. COVID could be one of them. So, let's talk.
0: It could be. It could be it could be COVID. It could be the killer hornets. It could be I don't know what else we missed while we were away in terms of natural disasters or what, but the first night we were hanging out, you know, after dinner, we had a lovely meal, first night in the cottage. And all of a sudden, all of us just uncontrollably, which is a great timing, just couldn't, couldn't stop coughing, which is great. I haven't coughed. I don't think I've coughed or sneezed in about five months. And all of a sudden, there's five dudes in a cottage coughing up a lung for no reason other than the fact that only, the only possible conclusion we could come up with was that friend of the show, Brandon made a salad and just threw pepper into the air somehow, into the fan, and we all inhaled it because it felt like pepper gas.
2: Well, that that was that was the first part of it. Yes. And then, to try and relieve ourselves, we promptly went outside to get some fresh air. Of course. And we noticed that the air was a little, little smoky outside, and we started breathing this air in, and it's just so much worse. It, it is. That's like... when the
0: tearing started. That's that's when the <laughs> eyes started watering. Because typically yeah. in uh, traditional uh, northern Ontario, Mike and I are from Ontario. Northern Ontario air quality is quite good, in my experience. Quite good.
2: Not this night. Nope. Yeah, that was uh, uh, some, we refer to it as the COVID cloud. Uh, not really sure what that cloud was that was rolling in off the lake. No, and, and we
0: were in a small town. So like there's no, I didn't see a hospital in one week. I didn't see a police officer. <laughs> I wouldn't have known who to call. Maybe, I don't know. Like I don't even know anybody's Scientist. number. Scientist. Scientist. <laughs> there's definitely a lab somewhere. There was a dam set up. Maybe we could have called them. I bet they had scientists in there.
2: Yeah, that was, uh, that was a scary moment for sure. It lasted for about 15 minutes, I'd say. And uh, we put our masks on. And that was uh, that was
0: a blessing because in, in, in a regular time, none of us would have had face masks. We all no. had masks, which we were wearing at the same time around a campfire, which in a in a regular time, who the hell would have had surgical masks in their back pockets ready to go? And it helped.
2: Oh, it, it, it immediately relieved the symptoms. Oh, my God. It was like a breath of fresh air that we just couldn't get.
0: I mean, I wasn't an anti-masker before the vacation, but I'm certainly not one now. I, I fully endorse <laughs> masks. <laughs> I think we should have them at all times in case of... Some errant pepper floating into your lungs, or maybe one of your local, one of your cottage neighbors decides to burn some plastic bottles and you decide to breathe that in. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Fanciest Dijon burnt water bottles. (laughs) That's a naked Ladies reference for you. With that. Ladies and gentlemen, we do promise you that this is the GameCube Was Cool podcast, episode 14 14 mm-hmm. episodes not too shabby this episode is all about racing games but this is not the only racing episode no 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 this is part one of three racing episodes part one of three there was about 45 racing games for the gamecube so hot diggity damn in this episode these episodes do not count uh double dash or f-zero or any of those types of big hits those episodes those games will get their own episode of course this episode is mainly focusing on the burnout series as well as F1 Racing, some Rally Championship games. Uh, we got Cell Damage coming up. Just a whole slew of games, about 10, I think, all in all. Just a big old fat slew <laughs> of games.
2: What is this slew? Ke-
0: I don't freaking know. The Game Keeper's <laughs> Cool podcast is a weekly podcast that airs every single Thursday on your favorite podcast service. We're on Spotify, Apple Music, Podbean. Recently, iHeartRadio. We're working on getting on YouTube at some point.
2: We're also working on uh, getting on Audible and Amazon Music, so stay tuned for that.
0: Is Audible the one with the audio books?
2: Yeah, and they're also delving into podcasts now.
0: Oh, sweet. Okay, maybe we'll be like one of their first big GameCube podcasts. We are the we are the internet's biggest GameCube podcast. I think we should just might as well just get that out of the way now. <laughs> We're also sponsored this week by Moose FM.
2: 97.8. Is it 97.8? I don't, I don't remember. I don't know. Them. We're not actually sponsored by them, <laughs> so we can say whatever we want. <laughs>
0: We're going to keep getting it wrong until they decide to sponsor us so that people can actually find Moose FM, which is a Northern Ontario only radio station. So... Thanks, Moose FM.
2: Yeah, how much Matchbox 20 do you think they play Every other song. I'd say at least 10 tracks. In I'm it.
0: guessing it's Matchbox 20 and then the Tragically Hip, just flip-flopping all day.
2: Well, yeah, because you have to have that CanCon in there.
0: You have to have... I think there is a law. What is it? Canadian radio stations have to every... Is it yeah, five songs? Maple. It's
2: called Maple. Uh, M-A-P-L. Music, artists, producers... Oh, God. Mnemons. Marty's going to kill me. He's going to hate that I don't know that that acronym. But uh, it's basically that, yeah, two out of four of those have to be Canadian to have it be considered cancon, and then one out of six songs uh have to be one uh, out of six okay part of that
0: thought so i remember hearing that a long time ago but anyway we're on every single podcast service so we thank you so much for your support we're also on instagram we are at the gamecube pod if you'd like to give us a follow there hit us up dm us uh, tag us in posts we love to interact with you beautiful people so beautiful people, beautiful people. oh little marilyn manson love it <laughs> this is going to be a good episode i have a good feeling about this one for some mm-hmm, reason yeah
2: energetic you know yeah
0: i have a lot of energy today
2: and on the show today is going to be ali he's going to be joining us in a couple minutes and ali akram is a big racing fan mostly on the burnout series and need for speed but he did do some research on these other games he's really excited to talk about them and we're excited to have him we love ali
0: yeah so just to get into the spirit of this game, uh, up front, totally up front, I am not a racing game expert at all. My main experience with racing games is at Playdium, which if you don't know, is basically the arcade of choice for folks from the Toronto, Ontario area. You got to sit in the cockpit of a vehicle of your choice. Usually it was an F1 racer and you played for, you know, three laps of that. And then you moved on with your day and played some uh, air hockey. Yep. So it's going to be a really good episode on my <laughs>
2: part. Yeah, I mean, same here, though, right? I, I was never a racing guy. You know, neither neither me or Neil are racing uh, fans, really. I, I know my F1, you know, in terms of just, like, the people in F1, like Michael Schumacher and stuff like that. Sure. But, uh, and Lewis Hamilton now. But uh, Ali is the racing guy. That's why we're bringing him on. Ali Arkham. When- And when Neil and I don't know something, we'd like to bring on a guest who can give us some good information and uh, help us out here. And obviously we do our research, but it's it's always fun to have someone else to talk to things about.
0: Yeah. You guys don't want to hear just the two of us chatter about games we don't know about for too long, because that would be dull. And we want to keep this uh, entertaining as well as uh, educational. Uh, To prepare for this episode, though, at the cottage, we did watch Talladega Nights, The Ballad of Ricky Bobby, which, of course, Mm -hmm. is a very accurate adaptation of the just the
2: American NASCAR story, I think. You know, it's it's funny that we watch the NASCAR stuff, you know, Ricky Bobby now because we're not talking about NASCAR games this episode. How do NASCAR games get sequels? You run. It's the same track. <laughs> what the hell I are mean, they doing? You could argue that
0: it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, dude. I guess you could I, argue I, that with any sports game. It's still the same sport. But I mean, like, what's changing? Like, it's I guess the car physics get better, but the tracks don't change. And the, play, the, the I guess the cars do change. Like, do, can people notice when they're driving a specific
2: NASCAR yeah, car? Yeah, well they, they have like the big numbers on them, you know, like the Ricky Bobby car, you know. Fig Newton's. Someone yeah, was. <laughs> you got to sell the windshield. Okay, I I would love a NASCAR game that had the actual Fig Newtons thing in front as the first person view so you can't see out.
0: That would that would be a, that would be a <laughs> That's game the changer, challenge I think. mode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think they should put the uh that I am surprised that they never put that type of car in like uh What's that game? Uh, Rocket League. Like just putting the NASCAR car from Ricky Bobby in that. With oh my God. Fig Newtons. I will totally sell my laptop screen to anybody that wants to give the GameCube was cool pod some sponsorship funds. And I'll, I'll, I'll read through a Fig Newton sign on my laptop. <laughs> I actively look for Fig Newtons in every single grocery store. You know this about me. Every time we go to a grocery store, I have to go to the cookie aisle because Fig Newtons are notoriously hard to find. And there's a, there's a very big split. I'm very concerned about this split, Mike, that <laughs> Fig Newtons, there's people that absolutely despise the Fig Newton, and then there's other people that say exactly the right word that I need to hear, and that is that, oh, Fig Newtons go great with white milk, and it's <laughs> f***ing true. And but there's some people that just won't touch them, because I guess there's fruit in them, and that just pisses some people off. But some people know that you get that left side of Fig Newtons, and you let your brother or sister have the right side, and you get a good glass of milk, and you're set for the rest of the day. I'm telling you what.
2: Well, I see our friend Ali has just joined us on the podcast here, and maybe he can weigh into the Fig Newton debate here. Ali, how are you?
1: I, I don't think people are pissed off at Fig Newtons because of the fruit. I think okay. it's like more of a texture deception. Oh. No, deception. You look at the box and you think that's chocolate. That has to be chocolate. Oh. And then you bite into it mm-hmm. and it's fruit. Right. I love Fig Newtons, mm-hmm. but the first time I tried them, I thought it was chocolate or nougat or something.
0: That would be, like, too much chocolate. And, like, chocolate wrapped in that whatever oh, yeah. that pie crust dough is, I don't know if that would work at all. Yeah, I don't think it would. It's bizarre. But, I mean, the, on the plus side, you can't find them anywhere, so there's no way to even have this debate in person. It's You find them once every five years, and then they, they just disappear. Maybe the factory only makes, like, one case every decade, and they just <laughs> send them randomly out. Just because they're tired of people thinking that they're chocolate, so they're like, you know, we're gonna make just enough to pay our bonuses every Christmas, and the rest of you guys can eat Oreos for the rest of your life.
1: (laughs) Hey, listen, man, low supply, high demand. That's what they're thinking. Yeah, Yeah, the the
0: Nintendo method. The Nintendo method. (laughs) It's a tried and true Nintendo method. Exactly. I was gonna say. Ali, before we jump into the episode, we need to ask all of our guests the very important question: You did you grow up with the GameCube? or
1: no no i did not oh, so i started like i played it with a couple of friends and then i played a lot of the games afterwards thanks to emulation i'm gonna say it i'm sorry mm-hmm. Hey, it's no totally
0: worries. fine i mean there's no legal way to play gamecube games anymore other than secondhand markets and emulators so i'm totally fine if you want to emulate any gamecube game you want
2: and there's one of these games that there is literally no legal way to play it we'll, we'll be talking about that soon
1: oh wow it's scandalous so yeah, I've been playing a lot of the games that we're talking about through emulation. Okay. So I'm excited to talk about them, you know.
2: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
0: But I did not grow up with it. Okay. That's fine. You're you're forgiven. You're forgiven for today. Because you like Fig Newtons, you're forgiven. (laughs) So the first game on our list uh, to cover today is Cell Damage, which was released on January 7th, 2002. Uh, It's on many a platform these days. It was also on PS2, Xbox. It was later on ported as a remake on PS3, PS4, Vita, Xbox One, and Switch. It was ported for Vita? If you want a Vita, (laughs) it's there too. I do. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) buy it on Switch. Uh, <laughs> I'm one of
1: the one of the five people that owns it so
0: yeah I, I had one but I sold it uh sorry yeah it's fine it was developed by pseudo interactive published by EA funny thing about pseudo interactive I, I like to do a little bit of research on some developers because I love it I love reading about developers that shut down just because I like to see what happened to them afterwards yeah I don't know it's kind of like an afterlife of game development which is kind of cool so pseudo interactive they unfortunately shut down in April 2008. They made Cell Damage. They also basically made demos for games like Full Auto and Crash Bandicoot. They're a Toronto-based developer, so I thought that was kind of neat, uh, mm. as Mike and I are also a Toronto-based developer for podcasts. <laughs> but after after closing, uh, several of the employees from Pseudo Interactive dev- uh, created Drinkbox Studios, which, Ali, being a Vita fan, you would know they made uh, Guacamelee and Severed, oh, wow. which are both really well-known Vita games. Guac-
1: yeah, and uh, Guacamole did get ported to pretty much everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of my favorite side like platform. Not I guess not it's platform, a me- Metroidvania. It's role. like Metroid. Yeah, Metroidvania.
0: But it's based it's with like a masked wrestler so it's like a Mexican Metroidvania game. Yeah. So just a little fun fact about the developer of Cell Damage um to prepare That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty neat. I I think um to prepare for this episode Mike and I played this game on Switch. We bought the uh the remastered version and it's a fantastic little game. It's like a cartoony at ad- a take on Twisted Metal. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah.
1: And it has a lot of personality, which is something I do like. All the characters are very animated, not just because they're animated, but also their personalities are very animated. And all the little tidbits of dialogue, I love that.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: gameplay itself is pretty fun too. Like the cars warp, and that I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
2: it yeah. was it was it was actually like pretty fun to play. I was surprised when I first saw it. I was like. Uh, this looks like just a arcade port that I'll probably never play and won't have fun with, but they do a good job with it. And the graphics for the GameCube one are like are nice. It's a cel shaded style, which is fine. But I was really impressed with the the remastered version, the uh, the one for Switch. Like it looks great, and the game's only what? F- how much did you get for Neil? Four dollars? It was on sale.
0: It was three dollars and seventy seven cents plus Canadian <laughs> plus tax, which ended up being like four dollars. So it's a complete steal. I posted it on our Instagram page, just like hey, pick it up now. Like it's <laughs> super cheap, and you can have tons of fun with it. It's it's got split screen multiplayer, four player split screen. You can have a. T- it's a great little party game. The story is pretty thin, but it's the gameplay that just the replayability of having fun goofing off with your friends. Basically, especially with friends. Yeah, yeah, especially you're basically like living a real, not a real, but you're living like a cartoon where cartoons back in the day, which the, the cartoons that I enjoy are the cartoons that are outwardly violent. Like the, these guys <laughs> had guns. They have knives like they're they're not as they're not afraid to basically kill each other because they know they're self-aware that they're cartoons. So they know that they're just going to regenerate in the next episode so like your weapons on the cars include it's kind of like a mad maxi vibe where your cars are souped up with these like vacuums there's chainsaws baseball bats and then it gets kind of zany with like freeze rays giant springs nuclear bombs you can set up like holes in the ground like a wily coyote kind of thing boxing gloves it's just like that really kind of like 50s and 60s cartoon animation like you know bugs bunny and stuff like that where the characters are like who framed roger rabbit like that kind of thing where it's just outwardly violent and but yet still for kids. Still, Well, I mean, is it
1: for kids? Like, what's the rating for this thing?
2: It's teen, I believe. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. So it's like yeah, it's I mean it's a little more mature than like a Mario Kart, obviously, but um, it's you know I, I it's pretty fun to play. I just I think my only criticism would be that. I would rather have this be almost like a franchise game. Like, uh, I I would love to see Nickelodeon do something like this, you know, or like,
1: Oh yeah, that would be pretty
2: cool. I feel like the, the characters, uh, like you said, are animated and are definitely fun. Like there's not really any kind of connection to them because you're like, I don't know who these people are. I love
1: myself. Some like cell shaded Mm -hmm. games because they age, in my opinion, the best They do for sure. Like, if you look at the, I don't know if you guys ever played the Dragon Ball Z Budokai games. I did,
2: yeah, yeah.
0: Even to this day, if you play them now, they look fantastic. And and there's there's a bunch of cel-shaded games on, in this generation, not just on GameCube, but also, Ali, like on PS2. We talked already mm-hmm. about, I guess the only real cel-shaded game we've talked about so far is, like, Simpsons Hit and Run. Like, th- those are kind of, th- oh, those yeah. are cel-shady. Uh, there's tons more we're going to talk about, of course, with Wind Waker. There's Ultimate Spider-Man, stuff like that. But um, th- this was one of the first ones on GameCube, I guess, to appear. And for, th- for those people that don't know, maybe just to paint a picture on cell shading, it's basically a comic book. It's a non-photorealistic method to render 3D graphics while making shapes appear flat by using less shading color. It mimics bi- picture like a moving comic book. That's kind of what... Yeah. So you guys say it ages well. I think it just doesn't age. It just It, it, yeah. it is what it is, and it, it'll always look that good. Well, that's fair.
2: Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a nice part about it. Yeah, I think... That's, and it's also something that's very easy to remaster and to, mm-hmm. to remake as a, as a dev because you have those polygons kind of there already uh, instead of having to recreate new characters. Uh, that's yeah. what I remember reading about the Wind Waker remaster and how they were like, oh, yeah. it was actually like a super easy remaster and they kind of could put it out so fast because of that.
1: I mean, I'd, I'd imagine all that is is because they already have the what what's called shaders, right? Yeah. They already have those shaders and then all they have to do is increase the polygon count on the actual 3d models to make it look more detailed and get rid of those jagged edges i think that's pretty much all they really have to do at that point and it still looks just as good
2: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah for cell damage itself i i think my only gripe with the game was that there weren't that many locations at least for the gamecube version i don't know if they increased the locations for the Switch, but I remember for the GameCube, it was only four. Like you could unlock different, you know, areas within those locations, but there were only four. There was like the Wild West. There was a futuristic one. Yeah, it's like a graveyard, and and stuff can't... like that. There's, a, there's yeah. a crocodile
0: swamp. No, the the, re, the HD release re-release. Uh, it there's a few small changes. I think the life bars were inc- were were increased. Um, unlocking items was easier. There were new weapons, but other than that, not too many big drastic changes. And that was something that it was uh, it was criticized for back in the day, where that weapons were fairly unbalanced. The arenas were, yeah. Not, yeah, not not many arenas, and they were small. But it was praised for its graphics, which we praise today. And cell shading is a very it's still a fairly new concept, which isn't done too often. It, it was it, the first cell shaded game was uh, Fear Effect on PS One in two thousand. So the, this art style is still fairly new, and I'd love to see it go on and, and become its own art, like permanent art style. And it kind of has. It was popularized by Jet Set Radio on uh, on the Dreamcast, which we talked a little bit about. But yeah, I mean, overall, the game wasn't wasn't terribly received. It got like a three point two on Nintendo Power, and um, unfortunately, the sequel uh, was declined in two thousand and two. So we're mm. sort of just left with this game being its own thing, and uh, set to probably be re released on every console going forward. Yeah. 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 I mean, at least it's getting re-released.
2: Yeah, it's always nice to see. Yeah, it was cool that, that you were able to pick that up, Neil.
0: I just saw it on sale, and I, I went for it. Uh, and it, But if you're a GameCube purist and you're looking to pick up the game today at full price or resale price, you're looking at about $40 hmm. for the GameCube copy. So, I I mean, I would recommend probably, unless you want that case, I'd recommend just going for a digital version for less than 5 bucks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Uh, cool. Yeah, on to the next game on our list. Uh, we have uh, Smashing Drive which smashing smashing drive which was released on february 18th 2002 published by namco developed by point of view which uh folks will remember they're the guys who made the nfl blitz series it also appears on xbox arcades and the game boy advance
2: so this one is like it's kind it's a taxi esque game Mm -hmm. so you're actually driving taxis and you are like fighting against the other taxi driver and uh you're like basically trying to shoot them it's like crazy taxi with the guns kind of
1: and with the enemies i guess And, and
2: yeah 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 some of these games there's not a lot of stuff to talk about you know let's be honest sure <laughs> but this one there there is actually something that's really interesting um it's one of the only games that i've ever seen where the horn is actually part of the gameplay by pressing the horn you basically like kind of like part the sea a little bit oh <laughs> and you have to do that at certain times and some enemies and some like cars won't move and so you kind of have to be aware of of what you're doing at what times, like when you press that horn. So it's actually kind of a cool gameplay mechanic.
0: That's interesting. I never really heard of that in any racing no. game. That, that's a pretty cool mechanic. I think
1: like GameCube had a lot of games. I know this one was released for Xbox as well, but mm-hmm. GameCube had a lot of games where there were so many cool mechanics that no game afterwards really used. Yep. There's one that comes to mind that i did play uh i know we're gonna maybe talk about in the future but our racing evolution Mm -hmm. there's an extremely cool mechanic in there that i don't see many games using it's basically when you're behind an opponent the opponent's stress meter fills up so you see the stress meter filling up above them and the longer you're behind them like right behind them the more it fills up once it's filled up they're more prone to making mistakes and just like running off the course i love that idea that's amazing that that's really cool like that's how it would happen in real yeah, life yeah. if i see like my opponent behind me
0: i'm not calm and collected <laughs> i'm like holy crap that guy's trying to take over i love that idea you're kind of like taunting them to make them make mistakes which is a fa- which is like a game like a gameplay mechanic in real life sports like you kind of <laughs> you know you chirp the you yeah. chirp the pitcher or whatever you you kind of you know vice versa in baseball or just every sport has that that act of just players kind of playing with each other's minds not necessarily physically there's also the the mental aspect of sports that's really cool yeah so i wish i wish that mechanic came back in other games and that's just that's one of the few mechanics that i Miss like right away mm-hmm. when i played it and with these types of games i always like to look up it's an original soundtrack so the, the music was made just for this game it's really bad
2: yeah so i, <laughs> I wanted to talk about that that was the, uh, the, that was the only other point i had so i've i've rarely ever seen games that like where the music is panned oftentimes the music just isn't mentioned in reviews or it's usually like oh this game was bad but like good on the composer for trying to do their best and make some good music here but uh this one is bad it's really bad we went
1: out of our way to
2: bash the soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, I
0: know, Isaac, right? Oh, dude, we're, Mike and I are both music fans, so we have to. We have to like, no, same, yeah, same. And you're yeah. a music fan as well. I mean, like, a lot of the times I love it when video games have actual bands on the soundtrack, like Tony Hawk mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Licensed soundtracks, yeah, those yeah, are Yeah, licensed soundtracks are amazing. But, they sometime, but sometimes there's good original music in sports games, but this is not one of them. Not a sports no. game, but a racing game. There's only five tracks. They're all extremely repetitive and not good yeah. repetitive either. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's, yeah.
1: I do wonder if that's because of with many games because i noticed a lot of these games that i played they have original soundtracks and i'm wondering is it because the gamecubes like f- how much storage space gamecube had maybe of the discs on them because i think it was like just above one gigabyte they could store on there
2: mm-hmm. i'd say that is definitely a part of it for some of these
0: Maybe I mean there's there's a ton of original soundtracks though like Wave Race on GameCube is fantastic and that's a launch game so you can't really give give the space on the disc you can't you can't blame it on that I'm just thinking licensed soundtrack because when you have
1: a licensed soundtrack you have at least twenty plus songs right? yeah but I
0: mean like the Tony Hawk games or the, at least Tony Hawk Three and Underground and all that like those those games were all on the GameCube and and they they had I think I think it was one for one the same soundtrack that was on PS two here it is. Oh, who could forget this classic? Okay, turn it off. It's it's, it's bad. <laughs> I mean, they were trying, right? That we'll give, it sounds like we'll it. give them that alley. <laughs> yes, they were definitely trying. Well, maybe. Anyway, if, if anybody is interested in picking up Smashing Drive, uh, the game goes for about twenty dollars now, so it's definitely not a uh, an expensive game. Just mute your TV. That's all. Yeah, maybe <laughs> yeah, put on a pod. Maybe put on a podcast while you're playing this one. However, uh, we will move right along to EA Sports F1 2002. So
1: right off the bat, I want to say one thing. Yeah. Okay. This was the most confusing thing to find because (laughs) there's F1 2002 and then there's Formula 1 2002, which are completely separate games. Yeah, man.
2: Yep. Yep. Naming at this point was not good. Also, EA Sports made six of these games in three years. So like, just take that in. Yeah,
0: so this game was released on June 22nd, 2002. The developer was Visual Science, published by EA Sports. It's also on PS2, Xbox, and Game Boy Advance. Visual Science no longer exists. I found nothing interesting about them. They were from (laughs) 1993 to 2006, so not a bad run. I I did find something interesting. Oh, okay.
1: They, They made the engine for the game, and they licensed it to a couple of other developers to use. Even to this day, some people think they made the best Formula One engine. Oh.
2: Yeah, like Physics Engine at least. Yeah, because I've heard... uh, I, I know this game doesn't have great graphics and it's paying for a couple of things, but... The engine, the physics engine, is often lauded, which was interesting. It was one of those games that is kind of weird. It's it's a game that not a lot of people like, but people like a very specific aspect of it. <laughs> yeah,
0: again, I I, that's probably the best praise I heard for it. Like, it gets around seventies uh, on reviews, mm-hmm. which is you know not bad. It's a pass. That's, that's good, and it's and it's great for the hardcore F one fans. Which really, I don't know what else you're trying to do by making an F one game. I think you're just trying to appeal to that audience.
1: To be fair, F one like if the engine is accurate then the game is probably not that fun because yeah, (laughs) like how f1 cars work is mind-boggling
2: yeah the physics behind f1 cars is actually like super interesting but it's one of those things that you can't replicate that on a gamecube controller you know what i mean like you you need (laughs) you need to actually have like realistic racers like when you're actually in the seat you have the, the steering wheel you have the pedals you have everything right it just it can't be created properly especially in 2002 like come on
0: yeah F- f1 games are great like we like we were talking up front like f1 games are great when you're sitting in the cockpit of an f like a fake f1 car that's when they're probably best. I also played a, a couple f1 games a long time ago on the uh, Super Nintendo because I think that mm. these games look amazing in 16-bit graphics I, I love <laughs> I love racing games on like like f1 racing cars I love that eight or 16 bit aesthetic of the car on like the really you can probably picture it like a really green field and the the, the road is moving you are not. And I don't know, that, that's <laughs> yeah. kind of what I what I think of when I think of F1 racing games, I think of that.
1: I think one other doc, like point we can dock for F1 games is a lot of simulation games just had F1 mechanics in there and F1 racing. Like I think of Gran Turismo and I think Gran Turismo 4 had F1 cars in it. Mm-hmm. So eventually you would progress to the point where you race F1 cars and the physics in that was like pretty good and pretty accurate. So maybe that's why these things didn't, take off as well, because you could find this in other games that had other cars as well.
2: Yeah. And it's, it's funny too, in this, like with, uh, cause this is an EA sports game. And so one thing they, this is one of the few games that EA sports published, but didn't develop, which I thought was really interesting mm-hmm. because EA sports usually develops while there are games that they make. Yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. another thing too, is that, uh, there is a little gameplay mechanic in here that's unique to, uh, other games in the series, uh, they actually give you this thing called a slipstream boost, uh, and what that is is that if you're just kind of tailing behind a car for a, a while, it kind of the meter goes up in terms. Of, and if you click A or I think it's A or B, I don't know, one of one of the, one of the bu- GameCube buttons, one of the many GameCube one of the, buttons. One of the many GameCube buttons. <laughs> uh, Man. uh, you click, um, you you get to boost through them basically, and like boost around them. So it's funny because it's like a super realistic racer, or it's supposed to be a realistic racer, but then they and have then there's this, that yeah, arcadiness. <laughs> Yeah, well, no, that's that's kind of cool though. It is, yeah. It just it's just yeah. funny how like it's a perfect example of like a 2002 game. Like not even yeah. like EA Sports F1 can escape the arcadiness that's like grabbing <laughs> everything at that time. Yeah. Like since since I love racing games, I can there
1: again just to bring it back to Gran Turismo. A lot of games do this slipstream thing, mm-hmm. but the games that do it the best is when you're behind and doing the slipstream and you enter a corner, your traction goes to absolute. Because that's what happens in real life. Yeah, you no longer have that air dragging over your car, so your car is not stuck to the ground or glued to the ground like how it would be. So you can go off the tracks really badly if you are entering the corner really fast and you're behind someone.
2: Right, right, right. right.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a uh, it's not a cheap game. I mean, if you wanted to pick it up on GameCube these days, you're looking at about seventy bucks, which is wow. Yeah, it's not. I guess it didn't sell super well. That's uh, surprising. Yeah. I mean, it's it's a niche game right so 70 bucks for f1 2002 which makes sense i mean i don't see this game at all
2: it's weird because this is the only ea sports f1 there is for gamecube the uh of the six titles that they made they only put this one for gamecube which is like why right
1: i guess that they were trying to see how the damn like people would buy it, you know, how many people would buy it, and I must support, I'm must suppose i guessing no
2: one did. <laughs> this is classic EA, though, right? Say, like yeah. we, we, we talk about this all the time. but he... Oh, we're going to talk about <laughs> EA again, don't worry. Because <laughs> <laughs> EA loves to do the chicken and the egg uh, argument, right? You know, they'll yeah. be like, oh, well, uh, we're not putting licensed games on your console because no one buys them, but no one buys them because there aren't games on your console, so it's like... Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah, and they're, they're notoriously bad. I, I, I can't stand EA's treatment of Nintendo. I get that they probably have... I'm sure that they've had some rough meetings and stuff like that but like <laughs> I just hate the way that they the way that they act like they support Nintendo with the Wii U and but now they the don't. switch not at all no like they put FIFA out every year and like fans buy it and fa- like obviously people are buying switch games Animal Crossing is the biggest game of all time people want those EA franchises like Mass Effect and dead space or whatever else that's huge in the EA's back catalog but they just keep putting out FIFA and say well if these games sell we'll do it but I mean like what what mass effect fans aren't buying fifa like that's not fair you don't you don't just put out this one franchise on on switch and expect anyway yeah, yeah. no it's totally understandable
1: i i i do see one reason why they might not and like i f- i hate ea's practices <laughs> so me defending this point is so the only thing i can see why they might do it is because they have to develop it completely differently because ps4 and xbox One are so similar in architecture, they don't really have to think, right? And Mm -hmm. then they can just port that over onto PC because usually these games are just ports off the console to the PC. So I'm thinking maybe that's an like one argument, but the others are all against them.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the two big games of the episode, the ones you've been waiting for. This is what
2: we're all waiting for.
0: (laughs) Burnout. Burnout was released on April 29th, 2002. It was developed by Criterion Games and published by Acclaim. Also available on PS2 and Xbox. Followed closely one year later, Burnout 2, Point of Impact, was released on April 9th, 2003. Just like the first Burnout game, it was also developed by Criterion Games and published by Acclaim. And then available on PS2 and Xbox. Did
1: did you guys, uh, like... Which games did you play in the Burnout series, if any? I
2: played Burnout 2, Point of Impact. Yeah, that was the one I played. I,
0: my experience with Burnout, I played the PSP one.
2: Oh, Dominator, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, I've had fun with it. I actually haven't picked up the GameCube ones yet, but I am looking for them. Like, as soon as I find them in a store, I'm going to pick them both up because they look fantastic, especially Burnout 2. That one looks, like, definitely the most fun. Mm-hmm. It's more fun than Burnout. So
1: Burnout 1, if I can, I guess I'll start. Yeah, go for it. So Burnout 1, they had not too many modes. The mode they really had was kind of like similar to outrun where you would race but you'd also have a checkpoint system within the races so if you didn't make it to the checkpoint in time you'd lose but at the same time you need to be first if you want to complete the laps right okay and whenever you crash it would go into slow motion show off the crash and everything but you couldn't take down other cars and that's fine yeah it also had an original soundtrack okay so Yeah, and people actually like it quite Mm -hmm. a lot. There were actual big differences between the gameplay for the PS2, GameCube, and Xbox versions. Mm. So the GameCube had the hardest enemies, (laughs) which (laughs) boggles my mind because I'm thinking GameCube was targeted towards a younger audience. And then you got to teach them young that life sucks.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So that's funny because that's actually like, we've seen quite a few games recently uh, when we're talking about uh these games by the way this is our 95th game that we're talking about right here we've covered 95 games now just want to throw that out there cool um anyways uh, of some of these 90 or so games that we've talked about so far there have been a lot that the gamecube version was actually more difficult than the rest of them which is not how nintendo was perceived before or after so it's funny how the gamecube you know they were like we've we've talked about this before they were really trying to go for those mature audiences um and so maybe this was like, like an actual conscious decision to make it harder or most likely it was because of dev restraints yeah
0: yeah, yeah that's i think they probably tried to make it easier but they, I guess they just couldn't figure out how <laughs> um, yeah I, I, it could be maybe they yeah just ran out of time to try and simplify it a little bit it's interesting though that uh it's i didn't know that there was a difficulty difference was there were the controls any different on the GameCube? like? What? So a little, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the cars felt heavier to control, okay.
1: which is a good thing or a bad thing depending on who you are. Uh, most people found that the GameCube version was the most fun because of the higher difficulty and the heavier cars. Mm-hmm. So there's that. There was a drift mechanic. There was an oncoming car mechanic where you would drive on oncoming traffic and get points. So all of that did carry forward to Burnout
2: 2 and Burnout 3. I love racing games on the GameCube just because of the controller. Because it feels so much like it feels like I'm more in the action than other controllers, especially with the grips, you know, on the on the the triggers. Yeah, the and triggers just, are fantastic. Yeah, yeah and the triggers are fantastic. So oh, I, I I always love playing racing games on GameCube because I just I don't know. There's just a certain feeling of it, you know.
1: There's more of a analog control and more precise, mm-hmm. like throttle you can give it.
2: Yeah, so I often see a lot of these games that were for multiple systems getting higher reviews or slightly higher reviews for GameCube than, uh, than other systems. Because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Mike and I are both, uh, we're, we're pretty active uh, users of the famous website Nintendo Life. They're, they're big on uh, reviewing Nintendo games. They make a lot of lists and things like that. They recently, or recently, I think it was like two years ago, they put out their top 20 favorite GameCube games. And Burnout 2 was their sixth best GameCube game.
2: Yeah. Which wow. is just, right.
0: Yeah. And I, I think at that point I was like, like, I didn't know, I knew what burnout was, but I didn't know that the GameCube, I think it was only like one of the editors who was, who's really high up in Nintendo life said, you have to put this in the top 10 somewhere or, or else you're fired. <laughs> sort of as a joke. So like, and that, that, that's what put this franchise really on the map for me as a GameCube enthusiast. And I've looked for uh, burnout Two ever since I saw that video and I haven't found it. I'll
1: explain what, so in burnout, when you had a boost meter, Mm-hmm. And by doing all that dangerous doing all those dangerous stunts, you'd fill that up and then boost. Burnout 2 the same thing. And here's why they put Burnout 2 at such a high like prestige. Because even non-racers had a lot of fun playing it because that's when they added yeah. the crash mechanic or crash mode where you would just crash your car and try to get the most damage possible. yeah that's what I remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> So that's what everyone loved. And that's why even Ron Racers love this game. This mechanic just, I think this is where they've really started picking up traction Yeah, because everyone started noticing it because no, I, I don't think there was any other game that add a mode like that
2: nope this was i'm i was i'm actually so i actually own a great book that i haven't talked about yet and i'm i'm sad that i forgot about it but i've been reading about it a lot now it's uh, 50 shades of gray
0: i love it yeah oh, yeah fantastic all right we're switching <laughs> over the podcast now to 50 shades of gray was cool uh
2: so this one actually does start with a number uh a thousand one uh, video games you must play before you die thousand one shades of gray <laughs> one shades of gray, and uh, Burnout Two is in here, uh, and they do talk about it a lot, and basically exactly what you said in, in terms of just the fact that this was a game for non-racers and kind of put that that kind of franchise on the map, and really was um, they kind of remind everyone that this is before Need for Speed. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they have a little quote here, which is really nice. I like this. It says, "Burnout Two: Point of Impact helped to free the entire racing genre from the shackles of realism." Paving the way for the likes of Sega's glorious resurrection of Outrun and the money mayhem of the PlayStation 3 MotorStorm. Yep. There is, of course, a place for realism in gaming, but if that's what you're looking for, uh, the risk-filled roads of Burnout 2: Point of Impact are most definitely not it.
0: <laughs> yep. It is that fantastic kind of arcade. It's it's almost like an arcade sports game for driving. It's mm-hmm. yeah. Oh yeah. Insane over-the-top crashes, which in I in real life, uh, if you did anything like this, you would be quickly killed. Uh, which <laughs> I, I love this type of racing game. I'm never like, I'm the type I'm that person. Like, exactly. I'm never going to play a realistic racing game where you're grounded. You have all your, all the controls are just like driving a real car. I can do that. Like I, I want to, I want to play, I want to crash cars like that. That's I want to crash cars. Yeah.
2: I want to kill
0: <laughs>
2: other motorists, like, other motorists. school buses. <laughs> the, yes. <laughs> the slow-mo thing, I think is like also something just to, to be talked about too. Like you mentioned it a little earlier, but I think that's something that is like, pretty overlooked because to do that at the time and they do it really well, especially oh, burnout Two. Yeah. Burnout twos is like, like glorious, like, like car crash porn, basically, basically <laughs> it's just like very slowed down, different angles. And at the time to do that in 2002, that's pretty cool. Like that's, yep. I, I hadn't seen anything like that. And I still don't see like a lot of great ones. Like, uh gta famously does it right when you'll like uh, when you die you know, when yeah when you die or when you do like a crazy flip right it'll start slowing down and and you know that you it's like oh yeah this is like a sick flip um but burnout 2 is like it's like they they know exactly what people want and they did such a great job with the camera angles and the slow motion of it they brought a max pain mechanic Burnout. <laughs> yes a hundred percent that's a great way to to say it which is fantastic.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Burnout 2 also upped the amount of songs they had, the amount of cars, and the soundtrack for this is a lot better. It's still not licensed. That comes in Burnout 3.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I'd also like to bring up one thing too, and this is just gonna be a question for, for probably you, Allie, is why no Burnout 3 for GameCube? Burnout 3 came out in 2004. GameCube was uh, still going strong at that point. Mm-hmm. Remember what I said about size limitations? <laughs> i yeah. think
1: i honestly think this was the game that probably made that happen and another reason ea, Thank EA you. basically yeah ea bought the so, criterion the yeah. developers S- and uh you know they love nintendo
2: or so they say <laughs> yeah and acclaim went bankrupt right, yes. right before this so yeah burnout
0: yeah. 2 was the last game on the game last burnout game on gamecube due to the fact that acclaim went bankrupt right after this game and they then passed the series off to EA which Ali like you said EA absolutely adores working with Nintendo. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so as a result they said Nintendo you don't need you're too good for burnout. we we're, we're just going to we're just going to take it back. <laughs> here's a FIFA. Here's a FIFA. Here's as a consolation <laughs>
1: prize. There's Madden
0: 08. <laughs> which it's
1: sad because yeah. Burnout 3 in my opinion is still the like best Burnout game in many ways.
2: I mean, the whole, the whole series is cool, right? But I, I always see lots of fandom for, for Burnout 3. If,
1: if you guys have not played Burnout 3, that's that's the one you guys should go out and try to play as soon as possible. So they introduced the takedown mechanic where if you would yeah. hit one of your opponents hard enough, they would just veer straight off, crash, and it would be slow motion death
0: cam
2: onto them. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Love now, this. can I can the PS2 disc fit in my GameCube? This is the question. Can the GameCube <laughs> play DVDs?
1: Scissors exist. <laughs> That's true. how it works, right? That's how
2: it works. <laughs> what if I get the Panasonic GameCube one? You know, the one that can play the, the, oh. the big discs? You know? I we'll... mean, you
0: can you can try. It's a possibility. I just love... So, like, I'm not a huge burnout... Like, I'm not a, a big racing game fan, but I can... Just by... Like, if you covered the letter, the words on the case, I know exactly what a burnout game looks like just by the, the yeah. look of the artwork. I think the artwork on every single burnout game... The ones that I can picture in my mind are all fantastic. Like they, they're like, actually really good. Yeah they're, yeah, they're so good, and they describe the game yeah, just yeah, by looking great. at it. It's cars, it's crashing, it's cops, it's helicopters, whatever. Like, it, they're great. And they're iconic in a way, like for this era too, um, of just crashing and big explosions. And like you can almost tell by looking at the case. Yeah, this game. This game has slow motion. <laughs>
2: Yeah, because a lot of these games, like these arcade games or these sports games, they, they had terrible covers, like as Neil oh, talked yeah. about with some of these like, NFL Blitz, the Anamorphosis. Just, just look
1: at F1 2002. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: exactly, exactly. That's a great great example, right? But this one is like very full of like personality. Oh, right? yeah. It's like clearly that someone had a passion for making this game instead of just like an EA slap on the cover kind of thing. And, and
0: if you guys like the,
2: the title, Burnout,
0: I mean, I think it's a great title for the game. Again, it describes exactly what it is. Perhaps you might like some of the alternative names that the uh, the game went through throughout Ooh. its development so the game was oh I not about this here we go the game was pitched as driving hero <laughs> nice its project nickname was secret driving game <laughs> and then the development name of the game was shiny red car
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh i like shiny red car i, I want love that. That. <laughs> I love that in so an alternate much. reality
0: we played shiny red car point of impact <laughs> But I think my favorite like part about Burnout 2 is that there's a mode in that one that has I believe it's called aggressive driving one oh one. Yeah. And it, that's that's just yeah, that's just the tutorial. It's mode. not like even it's a mode, it out.
1: forces you to play that. That's something yeah. I don't like about it forces you to play that before you access any other
0: modes. <laughs> but then it, it helped you can unlock the um the driver's ed car, which is yeah. apparently like the best car in the game oh. <laughs> or something. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was I love that. It just took took me back to driver's ed in high school, and we had to you know uh, aggressive driving and defensive driving. I thought it was funny. <laughs> so just a quick fun fact about uh, Burnout. I'm a big fan of marketing campaigns for video games, and uh, Burnout had a really amazing one in for Burnout Two. So to promote the game in the UK, Acclaim offered to reimburse drivers who were issued oh, a speeding ticket this. Yeah, for one day only. If you received a speeding ticket in the UK, Acclaim would offer to pay that speeding ticket. No, It was unfortunately shut down because obviously <laughs> this would just promote reckless driving. <laughs> Basically the purge, but driving for one day. And I absolutely love that idea.
1: I honestly think half the reason Acclaim went bankrupt is because of their stupid
2: promotions that they did. <laughs> they all did, the they time. did. Yeah, they went. They they were definitely like a push the envelope kind of company when it came to stuff like that. Yeah. and they pushed oh, it. Oh, you got to push that. To that mean, it on. is unique. And it's fun. It's fun, but man, some
1: of the decisions. <laughs> Wasn't there one for Manhunt? Was it Manhunt that they did? It was one of the games where like they bought pigs entrails and they were like letting people touch it or something. It was something really <laughs> myself. One thing that is overlooked from uh, the games, the sense of speed increased with each iteration. So Burnout One, mm-hmm. sense of speed was still there, but Burnout Two, it felt a lot faster, and then Three, they just cranked it up to eleven. <laughs> yeah, well, as
0: the as the consoles got more power and, and developers knew how to use the power of the console, yeah, games get better. That's yeah. the beauty of waiting on on, ne- on sequels and stuff.
1: Yeah. Since, uh, just to get you guys to play it, I'll tell you some of my favorite bands that are in Burnout Three. Like Ooh. that's how this is how I found them.
2: Yeah, I want to hear so, this. So,
1: Rise Against. Oh,
2: They're yeah. F- okay. My
1: favorite song of theirs is in them, Paper Wings. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sweet. yeah Sugar sweet Cult, Yellow Card, My Chemical Romance, Fallout Boy, Finger Eleven, and more. What, what what MCR song is in there? That could not be more two thousands. <sighs> I'm think I'm trying to remember. Let me look maybe Teenagers. I could see Teenagers. No, no, was being it wasn't. Oh no, was, I like, guess that's could that's have been.
2: '04. Yeah, you're right. So it'd be. Um, i'm not okay maybe probably i'm not okay yeah it
0: was the, i'm not okay yeah yeah, I'm not okay, yeah. Okay, i like no. that i can guess it <laughs> yeah you can guess it right away i don't i don't associate i, I maybe that's just because the, the era we're in now but i don't think that r- racing games and pop punk have been tied together since burnout
2: 3. yeah i would agree with that like i
0: picture it being like hip-hop and, and and like rap and stuff like that more or just electronic
2: like, like now it's just electronic right like yeah. that's that's the kind of style that all racing games are
0: yeah like when i think of driving i do not think of yellow card <laughs> <laughs> Not you will now, thank you. So,
1: development-wise, did you guys know Canon, the camera company, had a development studio?
2: No,
0: I did. I did research this. Yes. Yes. And and that development studio was called Criterion, the ones who made Burnout. Oh, oh Criterion is
1: part of was part of Canon. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, Canon uh, basically made the renderware engine back in I'm trying to remember, it was 93. Okay. And this engine was used by like most of our most memorable ps2 gamecube and xbox games so it powered gta3 vice city san andreas tony hawk games the underground series um need for speed yes the <laughs> harry potter games um fighters like king of fighters as well
2: damn
1: so this thing was everywhere. And that was
0: Canon's creation. Canon's
1: creation. Or Canon made a studio and that studio was oh, it was, it
2: was Criterion's creation. Yeah. Criterion Criterion's. later
0: later bought by uh by EA and they they yeah they still make like they make the new Star Wars Battlefront yep. games and Battlefield that's crazy. Yeah, a, a, camera a camera company, company. Yeah. yeah. Folks at home, if you don't know Canon, check your underwear drawer, your parents' underwear drawer. I guarantee you there's a Canon camera somewhere in there somewhere, from the nineties yeah. with film still in it.
2: It's 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 really funny. Uh, I mean, you're probably going to mention this, but it's funny how EA ended up doing Burnout and uh, and Need for Speed at the, in the yeah. end of the day, right? Yeah. yeah, and both of those
1: games use the same engine. Yes, it makes sense, right? It makes complete sense. So, Renderware was made not for games it was made for films but it found its way into games and that's where it was implemented the best mm. so after burnout 3 i think after burnout 2 blew up that's when ES started to really take interest in criterion right. and they mm-hmm. bought the studio for i think i'm trying to remember it was i think 48 million dollars uh,
0: 68 million million. Hmm. Sixty eight. usd yeah 68 million yeah
2: Yeah, that's pretty big for a a company who's just kind of doing that yeah
0: yeah yeah, it's huge
1: now criterion is no longer a thing in the EA. it kind of is but all the former big developers have left the development studio Mm -hmm. and now they kind of have a spiritual successor for burnout if you guys know
2: oh interesting well what do uh, not know this what title it's
1: called dangerous driving
2: (laughs) i mean that's that says what burnout is so (laughs) yeah it is exactly and they're making the second one
1: and it's supposed to be released this year the first one released either last year or the year before and i played it it's really it's it's Mm. fantastic it doesn't have any soundtrack not even original but it does have spotify implementation oh true yeah i mean hey that's kind of
2: what i want nowadays anyways to be honest yeah (laughs) exactly kind of what
1: i do like it's like oh just make your own soundtrack yeah it is an indie studio. There's not really that many people or that much money yeah. yet, but I'm glad they're keeping it alive. So if you guys want to play a modern iteration of what Burnout 3 is, try
0: Dangerous Driving. Yeah, I'm looking at gameplay right now. This looks amazing.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's to, to our listeners out there, to check out Dangerous Driving on what systems? Basically anything? Uh, PS4, Xbox One, and, and, and PC. Not Switch. Unfortunately, My, not Switch. Yeah, not Switch.
1: I mean, they picked up some bad habits from me, I suppose.
2: So, funny enough that... Um, I mean, this, this was recent. This was only uh, last month, I think, this came out. But uh, Burnout Paradise was actually re-released for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Which is, yes. is uh, funny that they chose that one of all Burnouts. That... I guess it's because it's open-world. Mm. So,
1: Paradise was probably easier to port over to the Switch because it was already made for the PS3 and Xbox 360. Right. That makes sense. Yeah, yep. yeah these are all so fun yeah. especially with friends oh i know it's just
2: they it's such a great franchise and I'm, I'm glad we got to cover it and uh have you on the podcast to, to, to talk about it because
1: yeah i'm glad it's still going that's the main yeah, thing. It's, no, honestly. yeah. it's
2: nice to see that it hasn't followed the theme of I'd say 90% of the games that we've covered where they've kind of just died or ended up in smash <laughs>
0: <laughs> the burnout car in smash. Yeah, no, the, it looks like the quality of the, these, this franchise has, you know, maintained its, its, its luster. I mean, it, it's not nearly as popular as it was in the burnout two and three days, I guess. And no. now it sounds like spiritual, spiritual successors are popping up like with dangerous driving. So it, it hasn't exactly died out, but it does. It, it, there's a lot of nostalgia for these original couple mm-hmm. of uh, iterations. Um, if 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 anybody out there are interested in picking up the GameCube versions of the game, uh, Burnout One is fairly affordable. It goes for about twenty five bucks here and there. Uh, Burnout Two is a bit more expensive for forty five to fifty dollars.
2: Yeah, still not bad. No. Yeah. No, still not bad, for not sure. Not nearly
0: as bad as another game we're going to be talking about soon. Shall we move on to the remainder, the second half of the
2: episode? <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's do it. I mean, these ones are going to kind of all be quick, uh, quick draws. Be There's not a whole lot to talk about. So we're going to be moving on to kind of rally car racing uh, games.
0: The next half of the episode, we're just going to be talking about games that really didn't have a huge following. They're still fine games for the most part, but, you know, a lot of rally games and things like that. So to start off with, we have... Uh, 4x4 EVO 2, which was released on September 29th, 2002, developed by Terminal Reality, published by Universal Interactive. It was also on Xbox, PS2, Macintosh, and Windows. Uh, this is, of course, the sequel to everyone's favorite 4x4 Evolution. Just features more trucks and more tracks. So this is one I didn't play. <laughs> that's, uh, that's Me too. <laughs> <laughs> this is one I didn't play.
2: GameCube had a
1: lot of rally car games.
2: Oh yeah. But just, but just until 2003 and then nothing, Nothing. it was just like a cliff and it's just like the extreme sports games. It was like from 2000 to 2003, they were pumping them out as fast as they could. And as soon as that like, uh, era kind of of gaming and just like the culture got uncool, they were gone. Like just like that. It was, it's so weird to see.
0: Yeah, but th- this is the game, Mike, that uh, we were talking about. Uh, the fun fact is that uh, in 2007, Terminal Reality, the contract with the car manufacturers in this game expired. Uh, the only way to legally obtain this game was to download it for free, oh. ironically. Mm-hmm. Th- this game was actually, you can't buy it uh, anywhere. It, it's You pretty much had to download it for free just because licenses for the cars were up, yep. so the game couldn't be sold anymore.
2: Yeah, isn't that weird?
1: That's That's part of the reason why so many games just go to the wayside licenses just expired I th- you brought up dragon ball z do you remember um the remix they don't actually have the original soundtrack
2: that's right yeah they don't yeah, yeah. and that's because i mean that that happens like the music stuff and like that that happens a lot for licensing but it's just funny that this game like literally cannot be cannot purchased, be purchased like, because yeah, of that. Like, yeah. Yep, can't sell it yeah. on Steam, can't sell it anywhere.
0: Right, it's it's one thing too, maybe like when a game gets re-released, they cut the soundtrack and they change it, mm-hmm. like with the new Tony Hawk games. they got. I think they have like 90% of the original soundtrack, like Bad Religion and Rage Against the Machine are there, but then they had to get new bands, like of course Pew 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 will be on it, which I think is kind of cool to have a bit of a mix of the old and the yeah, new. Yeah, that's
2: cool, I like that movie. Yeah, yeah. but uh,
0: Yeah, but with uh, music, music licensing is a nightmare with video games, and it wasn't an issue back in the day when games probably were figured, oh, we'll make this once and that'll be it. That be it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, overall the game, th- this game wasn't too poorly reviewed. I mean, n- n- on average, it got sixes and sevens. So it's an average game. Uh, the main criticism was too many game options, not enough gameplay to back it up. So it sounds like that they had a bit of an ambitious goal with the game, but didn't really fill it with anything.
1: And the studio went defunct in 2013, December 12th. Mm. Seeing, seeing what games they did before going defunct, it makes complete sense. <laughs> Yeah, 2010 Def Jam Rap Star, which was horrible. Uh, 2012 <laughs> Connect Star Wars, which is also
2: not great. Oh, no, they did Connect. Oh they my did god! Connect Star. Classic. Wow, that's a that's a f- infamous game.
1: They did do a really good game, uh, the Ghostbusters game in 2009, which is apparently like very good.
0: Hmm. Yes, I've heard that, that that game is actually very well done. But GameCube fans can pick up 4x4 EVO2 uh, for about $30 if you so choose. But
2: Neil, you can't legally buy it. <laughs> well, you
0: can on eBay. Of course, nothing's, <laughs> everything's for resale on eBay, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Moving right on to the next game on our uh, list here, we have Pro Rally 2002. It was released on November eleventh two 2002. Developed by Ubisoft Barcelona, published by Ubisoft. Other platforms were PS2. Uh, this uh, game includes twenty licensed cars, forty-eight courses, sequel to everyone's favorite Pro Rally two thousand one, <laughs> and this is the first rally title on the GameCube. I
2: don't know. It's it's a real game. It's Ubisoft making it. I but did play it. Yeah,
1: it's all right. It's yeah, it's very much in the vein of most rally games at the time, which were nothing out of any specialty. Like I think the best ones were the Colin McRae Dirt series or just Colin McRae rallies. And these ones, this one was all right. It wasn't bad.
2: Yeah, the Colin McRae ones were the ones I actually know, and I was looking for them when we were before we did this episode uh, to see if they were on here. They're not, uh, which was interesting.
0: I wish they yeah, were. I know nothing about the Pro Rally games. Uh, obviously, fine. this is a blank <laughs> spot for me. Uh, if if I if if Neil is interested in buying this game, he can expect <laughs> to plop down sixty dollars to buy it. Sixty? A eh? wow! Yeah, that's,
2: that's more than I th- I would have thought interesting yeah
0: there, there's no rhyme or reason to some of the pricing of these games like some of the like burnout games are 45 for some reason pro rally is 60
2: <laughs> and i'm looking
0: at ebay prices by the way i'm not checking like there is a site that tells you the actual market value oh, right. of the game, yeah. which ebay doesn't that, that that's all fine and good but no one follows it no. so yeah you can look at those sites, but it'll just depress you when you actually find the game in public. No. <laughs>
1: Pro Rally, one one gripe I had about it, sorry, just quickly, uh the graphics are pretty ugly. Like the textures, they're pretty ugly. I'm sorry. They're
2: compared to some other rally games. Yeah, November 11, yeah.
0: thousand two, it might have been uh, an N sixty four game that was pushed. I don't know.
2: Yeah, fair. That's fair. Uh, but yeah, yeah, from what I saw too when I did like my a little bit of research, it uh, it doesn't doesn't look great. And when you're talking about car games, you almost have to talk about the graphics because car yeah. games are what are what show
0: off yeah. console graphics. That's yeah. why Microsoft are always showing off Forza. That's why Sony's always showing off Gran Turismo because exactly. it just shows the graphical fidelity of consoles. And Nintendo's
1: yeah. always showing
2: off Mario Kart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the three big racing games. The three big racers. <laughs>
0: Forza, Gran Turismo, and Mario Kart. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, moving right on to the next uh, big racing game here. We have ATV Quad Power Racing 2, which is, of course, the sequel to ATV Quad Power Racing 1. Why are there so
2: many sequels?
0: (laughs) I don't know. The developer here was Climax uh, Brighton, publisher, a.k.a. Acclaim. Uh, That's the name of the uh, publisher. uh, Platform also on PS2 and Xbox. So, a.k.a. Acclaim. I don't know if we've talked about these guys yet. I want to know. Yeah, they're uh, Acclaim's uh, extreme sports label. Oh, oh, originally known originally known as Acclaim Max Sports, renamed to AKA right. uh, in two thousand two, and it stopped in
2: two thousand three. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, because because Acclaim went bankrupt in yeah. two thousand
0: three. Right. Yeah. So, not a very long lasting uh, label, but uh, this is one of the few times I think we'll probably see them on the GameCube.
2: So the ATV uh, games have actually come back a bit which has been yep. kind of interesting uh there's uh ATV M- and MX kind of crossover games which are starting to get a little more popular again uh, we talked about M- MX Superfly and stuff like that on the extreme sports episode a couple episodes back and uh, so it's kind of cool to see the ATV games mixed in with that and that's where they should be they, they, I don't think the ATV likes like alone like standalone games, have much merit anymore no, in in no. in the GTA world that we live in, you know? Like right. you you need to bring something else to the table. So, it's cool to see that uh, that kind of is coming back and exists uh, nowadays.
1: I mean, I think um Motorstorm could be the reason why they were brought back mm-hmm. because that game did so well. Yeah. Uh the only I never played this one, but my I did play a couple of other ATV games and they were all pretty much the same game.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's only so much you can do yeah, with an ATV right. game. You can do a few cool things with it.
0: Like, for example, this game uh, was noted for its inclusion of the three wheel ATV, which is the first video game to actually do this since mm. the, the three wheeled ATV was not sold in the real world since the 1980s. Oh so, my it had God. been that, that that model of ATV had been dead for about 20 years.
2: It's also illegal. Since. That's why. <laughs> and, and it's
0: legal. But, I mean, that, that's the type of thing you can do in ATV games, I guess. Because, yeah, what are you going to do other than making it prettier and adding different uh, uh, carts? The soundtrack in this game is not bad. Uh, I mean, it's got Godsmack, <laughs> it's got Boxcar Racer. Wow! So there's there's the soundtrack wow, there. Boxcar uh, Racer.
2: So,
0: yeah, man. Tom DeLonge is uh
2: Is it Elevator? It's, is the song Elevator? I was gonna elevator. think it's probably like
0: There Is or something like that, but I have no idea. <laughs> or not There Is. I feel so. I think that's that's the, that's the really heavy song. <laughs> I only know the one I that mean,
2: has uh, Mark Hoppus and Travis Barker on it, which is Elevator. So it's a Blink One Eighty Two song. Yes, that's why it's funny. Yeah,
0: I, I do love the uh, gameplay element in this game, though, is uh, you can kick other racers off their bikes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I like that. A, that was what I was going to bring up, too. Who I think that's guy? good.
0: The well done. developer for this
1: one, I think BlackRock Studio, they also went defunct. So there's, <laughs> they went defunct in 2011 after making Pure, which is also another ATV racer. Oh,
0: yeah. what um, That game was extremely ambitious and it did hit some right notes. Well, I mean, if you want to pick this game up on GameCube, it, 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 this is another pricey game. It's 50 bucks.
2: Interesting. Hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. One of those other one, other pricey games. Are we doing U.S. or Canadian prices,
1: by the way? Can, Canadian. Oh, uh, Canadian, Canadian
0: yeah. yeah. We're recording the podcast from Ontario, Canada. Yeah, so. that makes <laughs> a lot of sense. Yeah. And the next game on the list, not an expensive game at all, 20 bucks. Uh Dakar 2. Yes. Uh, was released on March 25th, 2003 developer acclaim studios (laughs) uh, publisher acclaim entertainment platform was also on ps2 and xbox this is based on the paris dakar rally uh from 1978 to 2008 the race is basically uh an all-out race from paris to dakar yeah
2: the dakar Rally is cool i used to follow it as a kid yep
0: yeah in a desert
2: yeah it's uh uh can i just say man i don't think i've ever heard someone say acclaim as much as we have in this episode (laughs) oh my god just like a claim everywhere. I'm very but. used to this name because I loved racing
1: games and yeah. Right. yeah if you <laughs> liked fair. racing games, you know you a claim <laughs> really well. Yeah.
0: Yep.
2: And extreme w- sports w- games yep. too. Yep.
0: I was I was most interested when I heard about this game because I thought maybe this would be like the first open world racing game on GameCube because it's like you start at one point, and you have to just get to this other point in the fastest way you possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a nine, uh, what is it? 15,000 kilometer race. So it's obviously, but it, it's not, it's not built like an, unfortunately it's not built like an open world racing game. No. It's more like a, it's 12 ra- individual races from point to point. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's broken up. But
1: uh, the desert races are still pretty cool because you can veer very much off the course Yeah. because it's in a desert, right? And that's, I don't think any game ever did that again. And I think they should have because it's a cool mechanic.
2: Yeah, this whole game like and this like this kind of world, I guess you can call it, is really cool and I I wish they uh I wish they would have kept going with these games. I think they stopped after one more after uh, Dakar 2. But uh it's cuz it's yeah, like you said, it's cool kind of going off-road and really experiencing that side of it because when you're watching the the rallies, like you only see like certain points of certain drivers. Yeah. Uh but it's you don't really get that full like experience and I think that's like that that kind of rally like system you can make a crazy game for that oh yeah and you could like like i even imagine like how i would imagine it is like you could even build a system within it that would allow you to like create your own rally right like do mm-hmm. something ridiculous like i don't know like toronto to like rio de janeiro or something like that it's just like go like, i mean there, and there then... is
1: technically a game that did that right uh oh Ubisoft's... yeah what was it called Ubisoft released this Driveclub, The Crew, The Crew 1 and The Crew oh, 2. Oh, The Crew, yes, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. Oh. Those two games, they did that and right. it's it's I think it's a pretty cool concept.
2: That is, yeah, because I I like that's something that I would have liked in a game like this. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, that, that would... it's the perfect thing for. I, it, right? But we are so. looking at GameCube. That's like I know. I was going to say that this might have been the this might have
0: <laughs> been like the dream of what Dakar was meant to become, but it, yeah, the power of the GameCube and even the PS2 to a certain extent, yep. well, it wasn't there yet. They had to get to that PS3, PS4 generation to uh to get to the point where you can make an open world game where you can just drop a start point and an end point and then there's a whole bunch of stuff in between that you have to maneuver. Dakar from. did have another game in 2018. So
2: just 2 yes. years ago.
1: Yeah.
2: Dakar 18, yeah. Yeah,
1: and I think that's more of a point to point where you can just kind of choose your direction and go there in the desert. But it's of course not made by Acclaim. It's made by some other studio that got the rights to it.
2: But yeah, no, Dakar 2 looks really fun. Uh, I've never played it. I did play uh, it. it. It
1: does stand out as one of the better rally games on the GameCube, I think.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I actually
0: really like the box art for the game. I think uh, it's very cheesy. It's like a it, it's like got a wheel with a skeleton hand hanging onto it, and there's a snake on the wheel as well. I think I I mean it's very cheesy, <laughs> but I I think it's just the right amount of cheese. I think it's good.
2: The uh, the the PAL version is actually much more like subdued. It's funny. Very it's, very much refined. Yeah. It looks like yep. a uh, it looks like a poster for the event. Yep. Yeah yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, so now we will move on to the last game on the episode here. We have Rally Championship uh, was released on July 30th, 2003, developed by Warthog, published by Conspiracy Entertainment, also on PS2. And I'm not joking, this is the sequel to Rally Championship Extreme. (laughs) This is a sequel. So,
2: so far, I think every single game uh, in the rally section is a sequel. That's good. good. Great. Uh, this game features, uh, six locations. You got Wales,
0: Scotland, uh, USA, Arctic, Kenya. There's four tracks in each location, which is fantastic. Wart Hog Entertainment, uh, interesting developer. They made a lot of like movie tie-in games. Uh, they were active from 1997 to 2006. They made games like Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, Looney Tunes, Animaniacs, which I love, and Tom and Jerry.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) I want
1: to play those Harry Potter games.
2: Yeah, they're good. Some of them are good, I should say.
0: I've heard they're really good. Like some of them, Yeah. yeah. But anyway, uh, Rally Championship, I don't know much about this one. I just, the only thing I know about it is that it is ridiculously expensive. I looked up to see how much it would be on eBay if I wanted to pick it up. There were only two copies. One was $350. Oh, my God. The other one, that was a bid. So starting at $350. <laughs> the other one was Buy It Now at
2: $500. That's crazy. That's I don't know Cubivore why. level.
0: Yeah, this is a Cubivore level game. This is yeah. ridiculously pricey. I don't know why. It's not I looked up gameplay of it. I looked up the Metacritic again. I know we don't like following Metacritic. It got a sixty three. so it's not a fantastic game. I think it's just it didn't sell well. So I, it must be very rare. This must be just a very rare game. I can't think of any other reason why it would it would uh, attract such a high price.
2: i'm I'm even on the price charting, which is uh, you were just mentioning that earlier, mm-hmm. Neil, how that's obviously not the best way to check out like how much a game actually is. yeah, uh, it it's usually kind of the low end, the lowest end of a game. But uh, yeah, complete, uh, U- the USD complete for price charting is 157 Jesus. which is really, really expensive for, for that. Usually they don't go over like 100 for a game on price charting. Yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. I, I wish Damn. I played
1: this one in, for this episode, but I did not because, yeah, this the, why is the price so high is something that is really confusing me. <laughs>
2: I mean I watched gameplay of it I I did a little bit of research but uh, it's another rally game I guess there's uh your classic you know I think it has 12 different tracks it's uh, I know there's really it's not much it, actually Mike it has it has 24 tracks actually 24 oh yes 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 because it has four tracks for each location and six
0: th- locations four tracks per location that's right. we know math here the
2: arctic the arctic uh, one is actually really cool that's like one of the few that I was really interested in I'm
1: looking at that gameplay and it looks extremely slippery and floaty. The cars, like yeah, more so yeah, than I almost that too. any other rally game.
2: Yeah, it's weird. I wonder what kind of engine they they used for that because uh, it's it looks strange. It doesn't look right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I think there's also a reason why, like like you were saying, Neil, how Warhog Games developed, you know, uh, Looney Tunes games and uh, Harry Potter games. It's it's very strange that Rally Championship was the only racing game that they developed. Like why you know like they they must have had to create their own engine from scratch. Or what I'm scared of is what could have happened, is that they took an engine from a non-racing game oh, and man. just you know ported that over. Yeah,
0: because typically these types of ca- like cartoon tie-in games, yeah, they're not they're not tight. Like they're they're <laughs> they're floaty. They're yeah. they're li- Like you're playing with you're playing as. Uh, Dot from Animaniacs, or <laughs> that's the sister's name, right? Their sister Dot. Yeah, yeah. the uh, you're playing as her. She weighs two pounds. You, you don't want her to be a heavy character. You're playing as Looney Tunes. You're playing as Bugs Bunny. Like they're all light characters. They're they're cartoons. So when you you, you that doesn't translate well to driving a, a a ton car down down a an Arctic tundra.
2: That would be my theory. But uh, this is you know this is a fun uh, because this is what we like about talking about the GameCube is that. There's honestly not a lot of information about some of, some of these development cycles and things like that unless someone actually full out comes and says, you know, what was going on. So it's really kind of fun to theorize, you know, why things are expensive, why things, are uh, you know, are like why cars are floaty in this one.
0: There's so many unanswered questions that, I mean, we could, we could probably reach out to developers and stuff like that, which someday we will. But anyway, that's it for the games on this list uh, for today. I don't have anything else to say about Rally Championship. Uh, Ali, do you want to close out with any statements before... Uh... Before we make you leave? Uh, It's the best (laughs) game I've
1: ever played, even though I didn't play
0: it. And that's
2: all I'm going to say. Wow. It's worth the $500 price. I'm sure it's not. Did you say that Warhog Games uh, went defunct? Yes. I don't know if you said that or not. Yeah, yeah.
0: 2006, I think I said.
2: Isn't this crazy how I'd say almost all the publishers and developers save for EA on this list went defunct between basically like 2003
0: and 2013? Yeah, it's weird that was must have been a that, that that was a huge growing time for video games that, Yeah, uh, weeded out i mean develop developers go out of business all the time right
1: i think it happens
0: less often now than it did back then when games were really
1: starting to blow up oh for sure yeah
2: because indie development really didn't exist back then it didn't exist then. yeah so you had to have these big publishers who would publish your games game doesn't do well because it's bad often because they don't give the the little developer enough money developer goes under or gets bought by the publisher you know that and that was kind of like this cycle over and over again but now we do have this industry of indie games um which is kind of changing that a little bit and uh also just the fact that it's we're such a globalized society we can create kickstarters you know whatever we want for games the people uh like game developers and like the actual game directors are more um like have more celebrity status within the community than ever before so there's all these reasons why these indie games uh indie game studios will actually exist where back in these days um a lot of these studios were banking on on trends you know like the atv trends or like the extreme sports trends i'm thinking the
1: biggest reason for indies is probably the fact that we have online storefronts now so they don't have to get a publisher to make discs or anything like that
2: yeah that's a huge reason absolutely Yeah. yeah I want to say one more thing for Warthog Games. Okay. They developed a lot of titles for the Gizmondo. Oh. Mm-hmm. The classic Gizmondo.
0: Who didn't have a Gizmondo? <laughs> Nothing could save the Gizmondo.
2: Not even Warthog Games who couldn't save themselves.
0: Nope. They, they, they definitely got swallowed up by the year 2006. Yeah. It was a tough year.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast uh, today Ali we really appreciated all your knowledge and info about uh, these racing games and burnout especially no problem I had a ton of fun
1: I hope you guys actually enjoyed me having like being on oh my god yeah oh f- please Dude, uh, this, this episode
0: is... would
2: have sucked without <laughs> you <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> honestly there's,
1: there's really not much information on most of these games <laughs> <laughs> that you guys picked
2: no, there's not. Like, oh, like, you know, so Neil and I, as we've said before, you know, how we'll start with researching games is we will go on Wikipedia, we'll look, and we'll see what's on there, if there's some fun information, and we'll click on the references, and we'll start reading the references and seeing what's in there. But some of these games, like EA Sports 2001, it just has the, the developer. And that's and it. That's, that's it. it. <laughs> there's nothing. So at least,
1: you know, you can have fun yep. commentary and...
0: <laughs> I mean, like, the point, the point of the podcast is that we're trying to... I mean, Mike and I have a ton of memories with a bunch of GameCube games, but there's 555 games. We don't have memories of all of them, and we don't want to just spitball around for 80 of the 89 episodes, not knowing we what don't. to talk about. So we're inviting all of our friends to to chime in. You have you have experience with playing Burnout back in the day. We we don't as as much, at least maybe a little bit here and there at McDonald's or whatever. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, no, absolutely, we love having you on. And even though you're not a GameCube owner, I will. You have you have the badge of uh, you have the ID badge to get into the podcast anytime. <laughs> If you played the game on PS2, you're definitely allowed to come in and talk about Sweet. it because most of the games that were cross-platform are the exact same game anyway. So yeah, yep. yeah.
2: Uh, thanks again, Ali, no and problem, we no appreciate problem. it. And uh, we hope to see you back uh, very soon.
1: Awesome. Thank
2: you, guys. What a nice young man. What a nice young man. Yeah, that uh, he made the episode much more interesting instead of us just sitting here being like. You so, Newton's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mike, did
0: you want to close out this episode and let the, let the folks know what to expect next week? It's a big week, uh, episode 15.
2: Yes, I will. So, we just finished up episode 14, Racing Games, and now episode 15 will be the one and only Mario Sunshine, Super Mario Sunshine, for the Nintendo GameCube released on August 26, 2002, and we will be putting out the episode a day earlier than we usually do, to coincide with the 18th anniversary of the game which is wednesday august 26th listen to it when you can uh and it's going to be a bit of a different format um we're you know what i'm not going to spoil anything we're just gonna we're just gonna let 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 that simmer
0: it's going to be a movie it's going to be uh it's going to be a vhs tape we're going to sell it um at music world you'll have to buy it at music
2: world yeah, we have to make this as 2002 as we can. Absolutely, which is where I got all of my movies and music in 2002. We're really we're really excited for, uh, for that uh, episode. Obviously, Super Mario Sunshine is probably the quintessential game for the GameCube other than maybe Melee. And uh, we know so many people have played that game and have fond memories of it. So we're going to be having a lot of different guests on to kind of share their snippets and their memories and fun facts about uh, Super Mario Sunshine. Definitely.
0: It's also a very controversial game. Of course, being in the Mario universe, you're going to have a lot of fans that defend the other 3D Mario games. We will definitely describe what makes a 3D Mario game next week, but uh, mm-hmm. that, that <laughs> remains to be seen. And obviously, this is a very beloved GameCube game, so we're not going to trash talk it that much. But it's also we're going to have to compare it to the other 3D Mario games. And uh, if you know me, you know that this is not going to end well
2: yeah i mean it is a polarizing game and there's gonna be a lot of different opinions I'm and that's we're gonna have a lot of different people on say their say their piece and uh yeah we're just i think we're super super excited about this episode so again we will we will be releasing it on wednesday a day earlier than normal so check it out on wednesday and um yeah we hope to see you there
0: yeah anyway guys take care. hopefully you enjoyed the racing uh, game episode this was fun yes it was yeah take care
2: <laughs> see you later 600 games you've never heard of.
0: GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box.